Yes, let's introduce yeah. ourselves. Let's start with Becky. Kia ora, my name is Becky and I am a full-time visual storyteller. Um, I'm also queer, I'm disabled, and I'm currently hiding outside of Tamaki Makoto in the middle of nowhere at my mum's house. Thank you, thank you for that, Becky. I'm Janine, I'm 18, thriving, living in Tamaki Makoto, and I'm uh, just, you know, Tongan and a law student right now. So that's a little bit about me. Um, I'm Laura, Um, I'm 18 as well. Um, I'm studying English and philosophy in Dunedin. (laughs) It's not that tight, but the thing, the conversation we're navigating a little bit is the effect COVID-19 has had on immunocompromised people, you know, people with invisible disabilities and the impact protesters have had on those people. Obviously, we have invited Becky Moss here onto our show because we literally know nothing about it. But we want to navigate conversations about us and we are excited to get Becky to kind of show, talk and like educate us more on visible disabilities and just really encourage open conversations about New Zealand, the New Zealand COVID-19 escalation and the impact that anti-vaxxers and the government can have on people with invisible disabilities, people that are immunocompromised and just like chronically ill people. So that's the conversation we're navigating. So I just want to start off by asking you what your thoughts on the Wellington protests and kind of that whole like anti-vax like extreme sort of movement I guess. Yeah I think the last three weeks has been really a culmination of two years of escalating ableism and borderline eugenics that the world has seen. And I'd like to also point out that it's eugenics not in just the way that people have talked about the disposability of immunocompromised, high-risk, chronically ill, disabled lives, especially overseas, but also Indigenous communities, people of colour, have also been treated super, like, disposable people um and there is very little there's been very little like focus and protection and I think the treaty tribunal actually investigated the COVID response as a fall down of how the government had let down um especially the Maori population in Tongata Whenua in that regard especially with the vaccine rollout and stuff so it's it's an area that is not just limited to high-risk people, um, but there is also a big crossover of the vulnerable communities, like people from lower incomes, people from communities of colour, people that are living in multi-generational households who are also working as essential workers, who yeah. also have family members with a lot of underlying health conditions and lack mm-hmm. of access to healthcare. And I think really in the last few weeks, we've kind of seen the very visible culmination of a lot of those extreme views being played out very publicly. And I think for people in those vulnerable communities who haven't been affected in the same way as I feel like the vulnerable people that were there down actually at the protest, I think Mm -hmm. I I really feel for a lot of them because of the way that they were influenced by a lot of stuff that brought in from overseas a lot of it was imported directly from the states a lot of like extreme ideologies and stuff and like I really feel for a lot of those faces that we saw especially in those last few days of the protest 
what really, excuse my language, pisses me off are the people oh. that are going to get away with it or the all those influencers, all those yeah. um, white church leaders who have yeah. just been saying this stuff kind of under the radar for the last few years. Yeah. And the media's been giving them a voice. Like I had to read yeah. another opinion piece the other day where Newsroom did a whole opinion piece by the three women that are voices for freedom. Yeah. And I was like, do we do we need to still be doing this? Like Yeah, how how are we giving them a platform still? Is I completely agree with everything you're saying. Like I think it's so the people that are protesting, I think it is such a it's a, such an idea that has directly come from like America and like those other international influences. And it's like a snowball effect, right? I think I mean, have you personally like have you had any interactions with any like anti-vax people um i did last year during the long auckland lockdown i think it was like september october when there was the big anti-vax protests happening around the Mm -hmm. domain Mm. and my partner and i were driving to go pick up some prescriptions for them and then we got back and we were ended up stuck in the middle of the protest in newmarket and it was horrible. And because oh we were wearing masks in our car, they were like banging on the windows. They were like, and I was crying and they were laughing and yeah. stuff. It was horrible. Like, like it was, it was so, it was so bad. <laughs> and and oh then I posted the video being like, look, like this isn't okay. Like this is terrifying. Definitely. And then somehow they found me. Yeah. And there was thing there was the messages like, I'm so glad that you're high risk. I'm glad you're gonna die from this. Like it was it wasn't nice. Like, but oh, I'm also what? yeah, it's uh yeah, it wasn't oh a good day. <laughs> I cannot believe yeah. like people can treat another human being like that. And I'm also so sorry you actually had to experience that because that's just horrible. Yeah, I I guess like I feel a little bit desensitized to it because I know I have friends that have like significantly bigger social media followings than I do and who experience this stuff every single day and I don't know how they cope I was I was Mm. done for the week I was like I am am not I'm not coping like it was like weeks into lockdown as well the worst part about it like I was getting my booster the other week and then there was a huge protest on the harbour bridge and there are like children exposed to like hundreds of them and I agree with what you said when you said that the ideologies come straight from America because tell me why they're putting Trump flags up I think people it's like especially when they're like Trump 2020 flags and I'm like <laughs> I hate to break it to people but like it's, it's 2022 and we're in New Zealand like I wish I had a time machine that's them right now <laughs> yeah like you kind of have to laugh I feel like at some of it because otherwise you cry um but yeah you have it a lot lot harder than most people like me who are not immunocompromised and can afford to get COVID and am not getting bullied and stalked by um anti-vaxxers you have it a lot harder than people like me that are just very healthy and like are there ways that you cope with it? Because it doesn't seem like it's ending the way that they're so persistent with cyberbullying and like protesting and just like completely putting you at risk. What I'm really, really privileged to have is like my entire extended family is vaccinated um, here and over in England, um, which a lot of my friends don't have. They've got, they're dealing with, especially like friends of mine that are chronically ill and disabled, having close anti-vax family members is a real 
point of contention oh. um, where your own own family oh. is saying that kind of stuff. And I, I'm super lucky that, yeah, my entire family right through to all the cousins and everything mm. is are vaccinated, yeah. which is really, really lucky and feels like a massive oh, yeah. privilege. But, but also, yeah. like, I have a lot of people around. I think I've kind of pruned out the people in my life over the last two years that aren't considerate of other people's lives and I'm I'm very lucky that the people around me are very yeah. respectful of my boundaries so I kind of put myself into a quasi lockdown from the beginning of the year like I've only seen people outdoors and masked since pretty much January like my friends are all like super great about that which like I'm super appreciative of and also I think finding your like community of like people who are disabled people chronically ill like finding those people has been really really helpful I think yeah (laughs) to my to my mental health over the last few years (laughs) I like that you said that you had to stay around people that were more considerate of you because if we're being like blatantly honest if you have immunocompromised family and you still choose to be unvaccinated you're inconsiderate and like just plain selfish if there was something you could say to anti-vaxxers who haven't considered immunocompromised people what would you say it's interesting because I think there's so many type of anti-vaxxer and the I think the one that really grinds my gears is the quote-unquote wellness influencers. Upper, upper class white woman in her 30s yeah. who's selling yeah. essential oils. And <laughs> I really, I had like a great conversation with someone the other day whose mum, and their mum is immunocompromised mm. and unvaccinated, but also was abused in state care as a Maori woman, like as mm. a child. And I'm like, I get no, that. Yes, yeah. that, I'm glad you brought that up because what I mean by anti-vaxxers who haven't considered an immunocompromised people, yeah. I'm talking about people that are fully educated on it, no, like, and, have no bad, like wealthy white women is what I'm talking about. I have a lot of anti-vax extended family and I know a lot of it is due to cultural tradition. So I don't really mean them. I mean like people yeah. that are like, okay. yeah. We put like these big blanket terms over them and there's so much variation. And I think it's really unfair for mainstream media to show, especially like down at those protests, the Māori and Pacifica faces when they're not the ones who are starting this. The the classic thing of putting brown faces in the media. You just got to see the history of the way. Yeah, the way government has failed Polynesian and Māori and Pacifica before. I'm not surprised that they don't trust the system especially because the dawn raids and stuff was not even that long ago I, it's not even like 50 years ago no. i'm not shocked when Polly <laughs> and Maori people don't trust the government enough to get vaccinated especially with the abuse in healthcare system that Maori and polynesians can receive so i'm not really yeah. shocked about that but thank you for bringing light to that um i was actually going to ask you as well because you mentioned that like when you go out and stuff and when you meet up with people you kind of feel like you take extra precautions and stuff is that frustrating for you like you know that you have to do all these things just in case people aren't vaccinated and like when you're in public do you feel like do you kind of fear a bit for your safety because of how many like anti-vax people there are previously to like the most recent times like I felt pretty safe up in Tamaki Makoto because of how highly vaccinated it is actually in the suburb where I live I think it's like 96% vaccination rate which is like you compare that to like the rest of the world that's super high um yeah so I think it was less than that and you just have to choose to trust the right people and I'm lucky the people I'm with are very much around who are very much like hey by the way 
just letting you know, I went to a party this weekend. It's all good if we don't hang out. And like stuff like that means the world to yeah. someone like me. Yeah, because no, so nice. Really having that transparency and honesty. But just going back to answering the question about the wellness influences mm-hmm. is I think a lot of that quote unquote wellness culture ties into a lot of very overt ableism and that if you do the right things, your body will be healthy. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. you're not healthy, it's because you're doing the wrong things. And then that becomes I'm better. And my immune system is good enough that COVID doesn't matter. Yeah. And like a leader's perspective, kind of. It's like they're coming from a place of privilege. Yeah. That's the, the bit that get, really gets me is the whole when people say that their immune, they trust their immune system and I trust my body and yeah. oh my I God. do all the right things. And it's like, yeah, but you're so you can still give it to someone who can't do all yeah. the right things. And even if like, like they're doing all the right things like I live a very healthy lifestyle that does not make me a healthy person it's that kind of rhetoric and the yep. way that it's packaged up in all these cute little fonts and like pretty <laughs> graphics and it's that whole thing of like yeah I don't like those people they're like have a colored post with some lime you're gonna feel so much better about yourself like, why would you have to wear a mask if you have avocado and toast? Chloe, yeah. shut up, okay? <laughs> avocado and toast is not going to protect me from COVID. Oh. No offence to anyone called Chloe, by the way. No, no, very much offence to anyone called Chloe. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but only if you're selling essential oils. I think, like, um, the story Janine replied to was the one that, like, really, really broke me the other day was the, the reports of the anti-vaxxers going to hospital with covid symptoms and i was like oh wow you you understand um modern medicine now like it's all like my body my choice my body is superior i won't get covid but then you do get covid and you expect free resources the public health and, system yeah. to f- fix it for you and like my mm. and like my own like today i got told that two of my super important specialist appointments have been cancelled slash postponed um they were supposed to be next week um we were going to drive up for them and like I've had friends who've had like surgeries for endometriosis cancelled like it's it is an ongoing effect of just a pressure on the system that's not just the ICU beds and I think in the mainstream like news and stuff we all we hear is about is like how many people are in hospital and how many people are in ICU but that doesn't talk about how many staff are off with COVID or like household contacts of someone with COVID Mm. and then the run on effect of all of that impact on everyone else. And what we're seeing like in the UK is one in 11 people in the whole country that includes like right from babies Mm -hmm. is on a waiting list now to see a doctor or something like like that's a that's a huge proportion of an entire country to be waiting for medical care and Mm. I really hope that we don't get to that point here and that like we're able to catch up but it's those long-term effects that will keep playing out even as the peak passes yeah I think that is such an important like issue that so many people either don't like talk about or just don't really like seem to care about is how 
it's like it's so funny like the hypocrisy that comes with these anti-vaxxers when they're saying um you know oh covid doesn't exist like it's just a common cold and then they're the ones who are all of a sudden believe in like you said modern medicine and uh, are in these hospitals and then you know it is so selfish and like you're so right is um people who can't who can't afford to actually wait for medical care but have to i knew this girl who she was like really anti-vax and then she was like oh yeah like i'm not gonna get it like whatever all of a sudden she got the vaccine just so she could travel and it's like okay well at least (laughs) it's like at least you've got the vaccine but like where was that attitude when it came to actually like helping other people they will see disabled people like on the verge of not getting like the things they need and they will see people like old people dying of covid they will see babies being ripped by covid but they're like OMG, I have to travel. Like, yeah. I need to go and have a beach bar in Fiji. <laughs> I miss Bali. <laughs> the way they can see, like, a thousand people dying and in need of medical care, and they won't blink an eye. But when they see that beach, <laughs> medicine, jab me. I want three of them. I want three. What? Oh. Yeah, it, I think it's it's also been scary. Like I, I studied, so I studied medical science at university for mm-hmm. about four years. And oh. what? And then what? I, I dropped, I, I, dro- I dropped out <laughs> because I'm a photographer full time. Um, hey, follow your dreams. Um, but I love, I love science. Um, it's a big passion of mine. It's just not a conducive thing as a sick person to try to university. Um, yep. So, um, but yeah, we did like the basics of vaccine studies. And I also had um, Dr. Susie Wiles was one of my lecturers, which was amazing. She's such a boss in real life. She's so passionate. The pink haired lady that does all the COVID stuff. Um, incredible science communicator. But yeah, the, the basic kind of understanding of like how vaccines work and stuff. And it's amazing. And there's so much great simple science communication information out there on how they work and why this one was created so easily and yet I remember last year having to explain to someone that like no just because I had the vaccine I wasn't going to shed the virus and give it to them and it was Mm. just like that kind of misinformation just like um going around I was actually going to ask you for both you I mean you and Janine like do you guys have any favorite like conspiracy theories? Just like really funny because some honestly, let's be honest, most of yeah. the conspiracies about COVID are hilarious, and like most of the th- uh, I mean, obviously it is yeah. harmful um, when oh, so yeah. many people are believing these conspiracies, but yeah. it is a little bit funny to see that from the outside view. My favorite one is the ones that all like the Tongan like aunties are believing on WhatsApp, and it's that like the government controls you through vaccines. Because they want us all to die. The government, the government is in charge of medical science. They are the ones that be doing all the research. And just like there's like this firm belief on WhatsApp, Tong and aunties, that they're controlling you. They want to take your rights away, and that we're all gonna end up being zombies. I'm not gonna lie, that would be kind of cool. Like if I was like the government spy, I would not even be mad about it. It would give me a proper will to live if I was a government spy. Simple. I was going to say, like, like, yeah, if the government want to take control of my brain for a couple of days and I just have a prank, like, you know what? I'm, take it! I, I think what my favourite at the beginning was the idea that 
all of every single government in the world had agreed on creating this pandemic together and the fact that like someone like well not just someone a lot of people genuinely thought that all governments in the world could agree on something I know right like ridiculous (laughs) like (laughs) you just have to look at the number of wars going on in different parts of the world right now at any time to be like the world does not agree and they're like but they're like they just like in their mind they're like the governments they came together and united for this because it was just so important COVID-19 was like the most important thing that they finally agreed on something they put all their differences aside and they were like "Mm -mm." the war we don't care about the war millions of people dying in war no one cares genocide no one cares but COVID-19 oh that's gonna hit different we're we're gonna come together for that one shut up I think also, and like not a conspiracy theory, but it did make me question reality for a second. Was seeing a picture of one of the signs down at Parliament, which was like "Open the Auckland borders." Uh, I left <laughs> Auckland um, in mid-December after the borders opened. I I weren't aware that I like broke out. Like, did, is this something I should know? <laughs> Stuff like that really like it does say so much about the anti-vaxxers and just how out of touch they are. Not to interrupt, but, like, one of my favourite, I think, conspiracies was, um, you know, when, like, everybody at the protests were getting sick, mostly with COVID, and then they started wearing the tinfoil hats because they thought it was, like, radiation from, like, uh, the... I don't know exactly what it was, but, like, that is hilarious to me. They're just doing it for fun. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. But actually, like, I wanted to ask you, a lot of people are saying, and, like, a lot of... A big point for the anti-vaxxers is uh, Jacinda. I think she's kind of, like, the scapegoat for um, all of their sort of, like, hatred and whatever for like I don't know entitlement obviously Nothing. like have your own opinions about Jacinda that's fine I don't care mm. um how do you personally feel the government has handled uh COVID-19 in New Zealand and also just with the recent protests and that kind of stuff like what's your opinion on their response to like the Wellington protesters and just the way that they handled COVID in general yeah so I'll start off with how they handled COVID because that's mm-hmm. the thing I thought about over the long term I like going to an example again of the UK with one of the highest death rates in the world and Mm. they only just got rid of well they've gone rid of all their COVID restrictions because it's ridiculous they just got rid of it you can go to work if you've got COVID it's fine so anyone that was high risk or moderate risk um, and I come under the moderate risk um, category um, you were asked to stay at home that was it that you you had to isolate yourself while the rest of the UK went on as normal. And that was the life of chronically ill people for two years. And you compare that to whole periods we've had where we've had no COVID. We've had months with no COVID. And you can live life completely safely. We've had lockdowns that saved thousands and thousands of lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I think there are parts of the last few months that I do, I disagree with the way that they've been done. I feel like a lot of it has mm-hmm. been having to um, bend to pressure from yeah. Yeah. Um, people and economists, from especially I think having Christopher Luxon taking over National, a yeah, very economic sure. person, and he also kind of just 
speaks more cohesively than the previous ramblings of the last few national things. And I think that really has kind of accelerated the decrease in COVID regulations, which I think is leaving a lot of people in my position feeling very much like you feel like they don't care anymore um, and you're kind of on your own. But then I also have to balance that against the fact that for two years I wasn't and I had the complete trust in my community, whereas so many, so many people around the world never had that to start out with. And at least we had the time to get vaccinated, to get boosted before this hit. Um, And, yeah, so, like, I, I disagree with a lot of Jacinda's policies, but I'm also, like, there is no other country in the world yeah. I would have wanted to be during COVID. A, like, I call them my adopted family in Poland and my adopted older brother, he has um, kidney problems as well. Mm. And he, they, like, see the protesters and stuff and they're like, what the hell are these mm. people protesting against? Like, there are so many people in the world who would want to be in New Zealand right now. Me too. I, I agree with what you said. I don't agree with everything Jacinda does, but I think her response to COVID-19 was great. Compared to, like, all the other countries in the world, she did a good job in managing it. Because, like, obviously, like you said, we had the privilege of being free for, like, the first parts of COVID. And I admired the fact that she put us into lockdown despite, like, all the contests about it but also i like that you brought up that other countries are a bit envious of us and question why people are protesting and it kind of testifies to the fact that it's all entitlement you know mm-hmm. like yeah. there are people like in tonga they're like getting so much boosters like people are getting as much boosters as they can as much medical resources as they can but because it's so accessible here and the government i feel like has encouraged it so much people like i don't know they take take it for granted and then they choose like to be entitled and they imagine their own oppression rather than just yeah i don't know putting the needle in your hand oh help yeah like you just have to i think someone did a direct comparison um like population comparison that like if the uk had had our measures and our government and the way we did things they would have had less than 2000 people die during mm the last two years as opposed to the hundreds of thousands that did and it's scary to think about what that would have looked like for our communities in New Zealand especially our Māori our Pacifica our South Auckland our poor communities our student communities um would have been absolutely decimated um and yeah I think it is I, I described it at the end of last year it was kind of like having the safety blanket ripped off Mm-hmm. And there was this adjustment period of, okay, how do we keep each other safe yeah. and ourselves safe? And that was all all good. And then it came to to Omicron and everything started changing real quick. <laughs> and I yeah. think the whiplash from that has hit people hard. And that's yeah. kind of created the, I feel like there is more of a division now where people are a lot more blasé, especially younger people are a lot more blasé about Omicron than they have been about COVID in general. Like I think up till now, there was very much a fear of COVID. 
for your average yeah. New Zealander. Yeah. Um, and especially also just a lot of stigma around it because yeah. there would be like five new cases that day and the whole country would know exactly where you went and you went yeah. to five Bunnings. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was just like all of that. Whereas now I feel like for a lot of people because for people who are boosted, who are healthy and stuff, it can be really mild. People have just kind of gone, okay, I'll just get it and be done with. Yeah. Which is yeah. also silly. There's research um, that's just coming out about how people can also be reinfected again yeah. with Omicron. So, um, um, yeah. <laughs> but I think for me, the frustration I see is like, I think it's still silly to actively try get COVID. Um, so I have what they're 90% sure is chronic fatigue syndrome, but you can't really test for it. And long COVID is very similar to that. Um, and for reference, I had been referred to a specialist in Auckland who was like one of the only ones in New Zealand for it, but she's retired. So mm -hmm. her office sent back a couple of Facebook support group links. Mm -hmm. um and they were like you can access this that's that's the that's my health care for this condition wow. Wow. <laughs> there, there's there's nothing and facebook there have been yeah and they're, they're, they're horrific the facebook support groups for chronic illnesses are a whole weird I... weird world it was like something i spoke about a bit i was like people should be scared of long covid like yeah. The world is seeing a mass disabling event and mm -hmm. in New Zealand you get chronic fatigue. I have friends with chronic fatigue syndrome and stuff like, yeah, they're the same boat as me. Like you get a Facebook group link. You're lucky if your GP believes it exists. I think for a lot of young, healthy people, there's an idea that if you get sick, whether it be serious COVID or long COVID or longer term complications, that you'll mm. be looked after. And it's generally people who have never experienced the medical system who are like, you know yeah. what, if I get sick, it's going to be great. Yeah. It will be fine. Uh -huh. Someone will fix it. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I was actually going to, I meant to ask before, but what do you think? Because like, obviously, so through talking to you, we've obviously learned that the response to COVID in terms of people struggling with, um, you know, other health conditions and people who are Im immunocompromised and all that, the the response to those people has not been as inclusive as it has been for people who aren't immunocompromised and whatnot. Have you thought much about like, or can you offer any opinions on how you think the government should have handled things in order to make things more inclusive for people like you or struggling with similar things and who are immunocompromised? Yeah, like if we uh... send to Jacinda Ardern, speak your mind. <laughs> speak your mind. <laughs> They're like, girl, there's some things you can do. <laughs> Auntie Cindy, <laughs> you're about to be cut uh, off from the family tree. No, I'm playing. <laughs> um, well, it wouldn't be really directed at her. It'd be more directed at all the policy yeah. advisors for the Ministry of Health and the response. Cut that part, because I need to send that to the anti-vaxxers that are like, Jacinda, Jacinda, Jacinda. <laughs> you don't know how government works? Jacinda is not the Ministry of Health, sis. That's how honest I'm Also, Sorry. like, people seem to think that Jacinda's a president with, like, president powers. She's yeah. not she's a prime minister. She does not have, like, pretty much no. any overreaching powers at all. Like, no. They're talking about her as if she's, like, a dictator. No, and she's like, like, she does not have that much power. Like, <laughs> like they genuinely think she's, like, a, did you see when they tried to compare us to the Holocaust and they said that oh. she was Hitler? 
It's yeah, like, that actually disgusts me, though. Now it's our next just, conversation so is going to be the NZ education system, because how are they failing to know how NZ government works? Come on! Yeah. But also, like, a dictatorship doesn't give free tours of parliament. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you can go into parliament and have a free tour. I've done it. Mm-hmm. It's quite interesting. Hey guys, um, unfortunately our audio cut out again. You know, I'm really, really sorry about that. I just want to thank Becky for coming on our podcast. And it was really, really lovely and insightful to talk to her about everything from vaccines to conspiracies and <laughs> everything. Yeah, so just thank you, a big thank you from Janine and I. And also thank you for listening to this episode. And please go and check out Becky on Instagram. You know, all that stuff will be in the description of this podcast. And yeah, thank you so much and um, get vaccinated.